It's a statement piece, guys. It is. Okay. Everybody, no. welcome. <laughs> it's Hold a window. Oh, okay. Welcome to the Late Night Happy Hour, everyone. <laughs> Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky here with Jordan Rodrigue, one of our favorite people in the entire universe. And um, one of your favorites, uh, based uh-huh. on the enthusiasm, typically when Jordan's on. So that's yes. exciting. Uh, of course, Jordan covers the Rams and the NFL for The Athletic, of course, is the host of the 11 Personnel Podcast with Rich Hammond. Um, and so... I was I, I thought that was your wall behind you because the last time we spoke, you had kind of just moved into your place. And I was like, oh well, I really love what you've done with it. And it turns out that's actually a like a window. Yeah, that so, was nice. That was a nice moment for me to like flex on you a little bit because yeah. I am sitting on a couch, by the way, because <laughs> the last two times we've talked, I've been on the floor. Right. Yeah, like I, a bucket. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually <laughs> The first time, yes, I was sitting. I was, in fact, sitting on a bucket. The second time, I was sitting on the floor because I thought, oh, you know, maybe I'll try out what the lighting looks like on the floor instead of on the bucket, right? Well, now I actually have a couch, and I'm feeling rather settled at this point. Well, this is really <laughs> exciting, Jordan, because it's the first time where I've Very not saucy. <laughs> well, it's the first time I have not thought to myself, she's squatting. Like, she doesn't actually <laughs> live in that place. Like, it's not her apartment. And My whenever, neighbors, too. That's yeah, whenever. <laughs> Whenever we invite her on, she says yes, and then she just finds some abandoned place with a good Wi-Fi connection. I was wondering why you always were doing like this every time you were ducking, every time you hear a noise. Yeah, so I mean, this is, is, it feels like proof that you actually live in Los Angeles, and I don't mean like reside here wherever you can. Like you literally have an address, and there, there are bills coming to you that you pay, like all that stuff. It's very exciting. Well, the bills are now going to the other previous addresses at which I was squatting. Nice. So I'm just I'm staying ahead of them, that, honestly. That, well, so. I mean, ultimately, that's how you stick it to the man. Like <laughs> that's what you do is you just leave him holding the bag with those electricity bills. Yeah, look, the look, lights are probably still on on the other place at the other place. Honestly, I haven't turned them off. But <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited. I used uh, I'm using the word gnarly like I never left. Like you know, in Charlotte. Sometimes you can get away with it. Sometimes people look at you weird if you say the word gnarly, but um, now I'm back like I never left. So it feels good. So I have a couch, feeling good. <laughs> yeah. Things are really looking, <laughs> are up. looking up. Now look, I know it's 2020. I know Things we're in the are... middle of a pandemic, but this guy's got a couch. Things are looking up for old Jordan, I tell you. Right. Who's got two thumbs and a couch? <laughs> this guy. This move has been everything I thought it could be and more. <laughs> one day, one day I tells you I'm going to have my couch of my own and then I'll know I've made it. Um, Maybe I'll get a chair next. Who knows, guys? It's uh, like, pace slow down, slow down. One <laughs> baby like, steps. Like you, you, you don't have to pretend that you're old money, Jordan. We get it. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> fucking Rockefeller over there. Or a Vanderbilt. Yeah. What do you think? I have a coffee table too. Come on. I just, I, I, just noticed, I was about to make that joke. Like I picture, like we do this hour and we we're talking about the couch or whatever. And like she closes her computer at eleven o'clock and just sadly looks at it. And literally, there's nothing else in the apartment other than it's like a movie set. <laughs> it's like it's just the background. Here's the clown situation going on right now. Where she's so what's the deal? The with, what's the deal with the birds? <laughs> um, okay, so I respect birds. 
Hold on, I got to tweet that. Well, this, this, <laughs> this almost sounds like one of those. I don't mean to sound racist, but but oh, I respect I, birds. But. I respect birds. I don't like birds. Okay, I respect them though. Like I think that as a you know on Earth, good for them, right? I don't like them, and and they always. <laughs> This rich, Don't rich Hammond. I know rich. I'm not, a, I'm not for exterminating all birds <laughs> off the planet. <laughs> Just some of them, no. But uh, rich, rich Hammond, I know, puts you guys up to this because he yes. thinks it, it's hilarious. So everywhere I've ever been in my life, everywhere I've lived, I've had some sort of frightening experience with a bird. Right. Um, this time, it took me less than a week at Rams training camp before the hawk that hangs out outside of their practice facility <laughs> swooped, his name is Wilson, by the way, swooped over my head, dangling a dead squirrel and got maybe five feet away from my head. And I shrieked and like hit the deck. <laughs> and in fairness, like that's a pretty natural reaction, both to the hawk and some anything dropping a I mean, dead like, squirrel. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't see, you know, old macho Rich Hammond handling it any better than you did right there. I mean, like, like you he would have just stood there, no reaction, not flinched, like clinging yeah. to something. Stared, stared down the hawk. Yeah. Yeah. In Char in Charlotte, I used to go on runs, and when I would when I would jog, um, Charlotte's gorgeous in in the sense it's got trees and it's got a city ordinance where it has to have a certain amount of trees, and it's just a really green city and it's it's really pretty. However, I have been pooped on so many times they say it's good luck i don't believe them i think that they follow Excuse me, what me time who's sitting on a couch jordan <laughs> that's true thanks birds no one time i got pooped on on the way in to practice and i had to wash my hair in the media room sink because it Oof. got in my look at all this hair Oof. this it's like okay it's awful like yeah. when it's such a gross feeling yeah like when that happens and i think it's I would imagine it's happened to everybody. It's yeah. an awful feeling. Well, I got to be so honest with you. This, this, I didn't think the tweet that I just put out before was going to be top because it was my favorite tweet since we've started doing the late night happy hour, which is just you saying, I don't like, I respect birds. I don't like birds. Jordan Rodrigue on birds. Um, this one, this one actually I like better. I have been pooped on so many times. They say it's good luck, but I don't believe them. <laughs> like context free. Don't, please don't put that out. Do you, well, I, there's a you context know what? Do you know some of the, well, if you thread it, fine. You guys got to see some of the emails I get though. I mean, come on, like don't put that out. Some, someone's no, gonna. It, 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 no, no, no. I'm tweeting this out, but I'm putting context. Someone's gonna email and be like, "I heard about, yeah, I no, heard no, no. Uh, Full context. Heard you're looking context. for some good luck over there, you know." <laughs> Rich Hammond for opening <laughs> this door for us. Okay, so also, but it wasn't just the hawk. So they, the birds, they'll find me. Like so, at the at Rams, the practice facilities were all outside because of COVID. So. We were out in porta potties. Well, we walked by the. At one point, we were walking by the the players' cars, whenever we had to use the bathroom. Well, the birds. There's these really. <laughs> I'm 
haven't scarred the birds. <laughs> There's these really loud ones. And I think they're like grackles or something like that. And they're really loud and they'll hide under the player's cars and they'll like make a scene. Well, the noise, like, I can't explain it. They like go underneath the cars and they hop along with you as you walk because they think maybe you have food and they make a noise. So you can't see them, but they're following you. And they're just like, you know, making this crazy noise. And it's so frightening. And then we're out in this tent and they'll come up and these little, these little grackles will come up and they'll just like, <laughs> <laughs> like under, underneath the table where you're working and they'll, they'll stare you down. Are they just, <laughs> Oh, ask, ask any, like ask anyone who covers the, like these things were, were everywhere and then it got cold and now they're, they're not around. So it's so like, like basically really nice. nobody stands near you at practice at this point. I think I'm probably the weird, the weird one on the beat guys. I know we talked about this when I came in where I was like, Oh Hopefully I fit in. Like I think. <laughs> what what week did it make you did it take to realize? No, I don't. I actually don't fit in at all. So you guys just are okay with all these birds? Like <laughs> <laughs> we we tried really hard to welcome Jordan to the family, but the birds made it really hard. I I, what I would do if I were you is I would lean into this and I would make them your army. And I would turn them against all the other beat writers oh, that there. That's a great idea. They don't like me. The, the birds don't like me. That's the I, thing. I think, well, I don't think they're coming around me because they want to hang out, Andy. Like, I just don't, I don't, don't think that's look, the case. Look, I think that they're clearly, they're sussing you out. They smell but there's fear. A, well, but there's a reason, though, that they've chosen you as opposed to, like, Lindsay Theory or Gary Klein. Like, they, I don't think they have the same respect for them that they have for you. It's like, you know, it's like the way the two alpha males end up finding each other in a room and they stare each other down. This is between you and the birds. <laughs> but I feel like if you stand your ground, you know, like in the way that when you train a dog, you've been through this with your lovely dog. When you train a dog, you have to let them know, like ultimately you're in charge as much as you spoil them. I feel like you have this opportunity to create just like an army at your disposal. Here's like, what this I think is the, it is. Here's you'll never get interrupted in a scrum again. That's well, here's what I think it is. I think they've heard I've got a lot of empty space, extra space. So they're like, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, can we crash? Winter, <laughs> winter is coming. <laughs> as, as Granted LA points out, Batman was originally afraid of bats. So, oh, good. Well, I can't, I cannot wait to, uh, more and more resemble a bird as Grackle Girl, worst Grackle superhero girl. ever. Oh my, yeah, possibly the loudest, also. Yeah, those things are loud. We yeah. have a bunch of those like weird, like Southern California parrots that live down here that live in the tree across the street. They are incredibly loud. Wow, I I saw there's a neighborhood um, that had peacocks. It was like in um, uh, Redondo Beach or something, and they were they were actually like feral peacocks running around. That's weird. Huh. Yeah. This is an interesting. It, this is an interesting question from Hovick seventy seven. Have you ever had a parrot intentionally poop on you? It's interesting for two reasons. First of all, it's very specific. Uh, like, what if you've only had a swallow or a sparrow poop on you? But then also, too, how do you know? It's phrased like an offer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all set. <laughs> but like, how do you know if it was on purpose? I mean, the bird always, always has plausible deniability. That's I what mean, I'm telling you guys. It's always on purpose. I know it. I know it. 
I, I, I would it. at least, I mean, if it's an offer, I would at least hear it out. Like find out the details, what's in it for you. I mean, for <laughs> five seconds of discomfort, you know, this could be a second chair. In your, in I your don't house. even have I don't even have a first chair. Okay, well, I mean, so. uh, I know you're yeah, buying like, a set, this Jordan. This <laughs> after this, you deal a little bit with this parrot, and then you got yourself a set of fancy chairs. <laughs> because if you're gonna watch, if you're gonna pretend to watch TV on a TV you don't have, it's much more comfortable to do it from a couch than it is a chair. Oh my gosh! Uh, by the way, so you know how you know we cover games remotely and everything. Um, someone was really funny, actually. I thought of you guys, and I thought you would appreciate it because. Um, I had a picture of Tucker and I, I had my computer up cause it was, I was covering an away game. We have to cover it off the broadcast because Tucker is your dog for people who don't know. Yeah. Tucker is my dog. Um, I've opted out of travel because of COVID. And, um, so I covered the away games from home. I still go to SoFi for the home games, but I cover the away games from my couch. And so, um, I had a picture of like the, the TV screen and Tucker was sitting between me and the TV screen. He was staring at me like, what are you doing? And I posted it on Twitter. Someone commented on it. We're like, and they like roasted my TV. <laughs> they were like, that, that TV is so small. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I thought of you guys and I was like, I'm just happy I have one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough crowd, man. It's like, you know. I, I tried to phrase that tweet as delicately as possible. Like I didn't, I didn't want you to feel. You bad. need a seventy-inch television. <laughs> I, I need you know? to see what you guys are tweeting about me right now. <laughs> no, we've 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 uh, only the bird tweets so far. Uh, <laughs> I gotta be honest with you. We we it's the show's not going to get better from here. Like we're going to talk about football and we'll talk about the Rams and the NFC and the Seahawks. <laughs> you know? Like it's not going to improve. Like this is the peak of the show. And the football stuff will be great for people, and you're excellent uh, you know, in talking about that. But it's not going to get better. Like this is awesome. Like this is this is excellent content. You might not think so. That's but everyone a low else bar. Does. I think that's a low bar, but I no. appreciate it. That's I awesome. appreciate this it. Is after professionals. after revealing my mm -hmm. vendetta against birds or their vendetta against me, actually, mm -hmm. um, I think that you know, I needed a safe space in which to share that. So thank do you, you picture you and the birds ever working this out? Like, it, like at some point in your lives, I respect, I respect them. Like if I'm on a hike and I see like a, a really cool Eagle or like owls, <laughs> owls are awesome. I think, you know, but, um, you know, falcons are cool, <laughs> but <laughs> what do you feel about flightless birds? Like, well, I can out, maneuver them right like I if, a try. if a penguin were chasing me i probably could outrun the penguin probably yeah but i wouldn't try to outrun like an ostrich or an emu they're oh, mean see. those things they're mean and they can haul ass they're dinosaurs those are dinosaurs i don't mm -hmm. think i mean those are dinosaurs yeah. scientifically speaking i mean direct descendants so. yeah fun fact oh, go ahead ostriches Andy. are underrated mean like they're they yeah, are not well, they are oh. not a creature to trifle with no and imagine if one pooped on you. Oof. Well, wow. I mean, well, I, I mean, you know what? I honestly feel like that's more your fault. At that I point. was just going to yeah. say, if you're I in a position like, where that happens, like <laughs> literally, yeah, I don't literally feel in the position. You. Yeah. Yeah. Fun fact about owls rock stupid. Yeah. Really? They have that, that reputation of being sad. wise. They are really, really stupid. Even why, do by bird they, why do you think they have that reputation for being wise? I wonder. 
I don't know. Because is it because they knew how many licks it took to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll pop? I don't know. No, they didn't because remember he doesn't actually lick all the way through. He stops, he does like three licks and then he bites through it and the guy says the world may never know. Okay. Um, I just Googled how do people come to think of owls being a wise bird? In Greek mythology, the goddess Athena was thought to symbolize wisdom and was often depicted with an owl nearby. That was probably inspired by the owl's big eyes and solemn appearance. So basically, they were just like freeloaders who just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Like yeah. they, they, they were living off Athena's reputation. Yeah, because they didn't do anything. Crows are the smartest bird, everyone knows. Yes. So, so I think, and I've got mad respect for crows, but crows yep. are. There we go. Really Back to the Twitter machine. <laughs> crows. <laughs> Crows are the smartest bird. Like people, everyone knows that. But like, she, she probably just didn't want have one at hand, right? Like she was looking around and she was like, "Oh, they're making a statue of me. Got to pose with something." Uh, the owl didn't know that it was, you know, closing time, so the owl was just there. This or, is how it happened. Or maybe Athena felt threatened by a crow. She knew how smart a crow was, and she thought too much time around a crow, I'm getting exposed. Like everyone's going to realize this crow's smarter than me. I'm not all I'm cracked up to be when it comes to intelligence. Let me hang out with this dumbass owl. Yeah. By the and way, I look really smart by comparison. Big, eye, big eyes and a, solemn expression. That's why people think Andy is smart too. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, Andy, you don't think a woman can be smarter than a crow? I do. <laughs> I do. But I mean, look, back then, people weren't very enlightened. <laughs> And I mean, depending on how how smart these crows were, I mean, there's always somebody smarter than you. Even if you're a goddess like Athena, there's a, there's always somebody who could be a threat. It's the most oddly like like sexist with a. I don't know any dame who's smarter than a crow. I'll tell you that much. Like, <laughs> no, like, I'm just that's a look, really odd standard. You, no, but that. if you study Greek mythology, and I did study Greek mythology, and I did not expect the show to go here, but let's run with it. One common thread with all these gods, they were vain. They were all very, very yes. vain, borderline insecure. So I don't think it's entirely unbelievable or, frankly, sexist, Jordan, that the idea that Athena would be a little bit threatened hanging around by too many uh, with too many crows if one of her things was supposed to be how much smarter she was than everyone else. Oh, I totally, I, I loved reading Greek mythology when I was younger and I totally, that's such a, I mean, again, I don't know how we're here, but man, <laughs> let's not what, question it. What, what crappy beings all around. Oh, yes. Quinn yes. Better has like, Quinn Better, the, who, Quinn Better is listening uh, on Periscope and he gets it like, it's like the, not good people, extremely narcissistic, but then they had a fall guy, Narcissus. Yes. That was their fall guy. Yeah. Yeah. Pro probably hung out with I a bunch actually, of owls. I <laughs> <laughs> wonder what his thoughts were on birds. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I mean, like, this is we got 20 minutes out of birds. <laughs> oh my god, we've done 20 minutes already. Yeah, tweet out tell, and people guys, come here. I Jordan. swear, I cover the Rams. I swear. <laughs> time disappears. Like people come here, they have a great time. They don't know where it goes, and it's like, yes, we've spent. We haven't even talked about football. We're twenty minutes in. We still have a game to play because did you know it's national? It's National Happy Hour Day, and of course, this is a late night happy hour. So we have happy hour trivia coming up. And I don't know if you're a big drinker or not. It doesn't matter. You can still participate in the quiz. Um, so I mean, there's a lot still to do.
I mean, think just, about, think just about, you know. <laughs> this is going to be great because I won't be drinking alone in my house with just a sofa. Now I'll be with you guys. Nice. <laughs> Excellent. I'm very excited by that. This is good. This is fine. <laughs> like, oh, 40 minutes, eh? 40 oh. more minutes. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. I have to go cause some trouble with my home Wi-Fi. I'll be right back. <laughs> um, all right. So the, the, the we have reached the sort of the halfway point, and uh, you know, you and Rich uh, kind of covered all this stuff. We'll get back to birds here in a minute. Don't worry. <laughs> what a segue! <laughs> we'll get back to the hot bird talk, but okay, really quick. Oh because my this god, is great, I love this thing. This is a great comment from uh, Craig uh, Manami. The Craig original awesome. Craig the original great questions. Yeah, the original clash. You. <laughs> the, the original Clash of the Titans had a mechanical owl sidekick. That is true. Yes. In the oh, movie Clash cool. of the Titans. Great, great reference right there so, by Craig. Craig's got some deep cuts, man. He'll throw out some, <laughs> he'll throw out some cool stuff. I too am going to pretend whoever, I'm not drinking alone. Whoever Quinn Better is, I feel that. Thank you, Quinn Better. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for being with us tonight. Um, so okay, so we are about halfway through the season, and you and Rich mm-hmm. covered a lot of this in the in the most recent eleven personnel podcast, which people should absolutely go back and listen to. Um where where are they better than you thought like where where is this team halfway through yeah it's kind of weird they've evened out in my mind because the defense is better than I thought it would be and the offense is worse than I thought it would be but I don't think the offense is bad you know like it's kind of a very it's a really interesting space for them to be in I think the offense has the potential to be very good like it always does um, and probably always will if Sean McVay is coaching the team um, but they're being, they're just so inconsistent right now. And then on the converse, I thought it would take the defense a little bit longer to put together um, sort of the more nuanced pieces of this system. You know, there, there are some superstar players on this defense. And sometimes when you have superstar players, um, you can hide some of the warts on a defense. If you're a first year coordinator and you, a lot of times, uh, one of the first clues was like, a lot of times if you're a first year coordinator and you, you maybe don't think that everything's getting picked up at the rate that it needs to, especially with no training, with barely any training camp, no preseason, you, you are super blitz heavy because you want to put out the uh, mirage sort of that you are um, aggressive, that your, your scheme is working because you're racking up statistics. Well, Brandon Staley went kind of the opposite direction and they are not blitzing at all. Really. I mean, they're, they're among the lowest in the league and instead trusting the actual concepts of the scheme and introducing more and more piece by piece um, throughout the first four weeks of the year, which I thought was really smart. And these, these guys just love playing in it. Like they, it's just really um, conceptually, they really are, are a fan of it and it's, it's catered to their best players. So really what I think is I I'm surprised it happened this fast because there was no spring ball and there was no preseason. Um, I am also surprised that, the offense is showing such inconsistency with so many of its pieces that normally would be very consistent considering, you know, on paper, you got your quarterback who's coming back, you know, you've got the continuity with the receivers, tight ends, um, you know, the running backs, even though it's a different group, it's really solid group, offensive lines playing better than it certainly playing better than it was last year, you know, and they're healthy, so um, I, I'm a little surprised to still see the inconsistencies there, but I think a lot of it's sort of unforced errors. So um, ha- hammering those out is, is the important thing. 
you, you said uh, if if it's not too, I guess, either sort of granular or es- esoteric an explanation, you said that uh, these guys really like playing in Brandon Staley's yeah. system. What is it that they like about it? I love granular. You know okay, me. Okay. Yeah, that's great. I love. Well, I, I did. I yeah. know you like granular. He didn't, mean, I, he didn't really mean for you. He meant for them, <laughs> like the, <laughs> the them or, out there. the birds. Or, me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I, I also didn't know if well, it was one of those things that's hard to explain. Like, you know what I mean? Is. Like, it is hard to explain, but um, I think that it because it the definition continues to change. But I think that's one of the really exciting things about football is how much of an evolving process it is when it's done right. Obviously, you see these teams and they just are stuck, right? And they've stopped evolving and they've stopped being excited about the process. Well, this team's really excited about the process. It sounds super corny, I know, but they are presented with tangibles every week of actual progress that they've made. Like Brandon Staley went back and showed them their first day of training camp on tape and juxtaposed it with their last series in the Miami game. You know what I mean? So it's like, they're, they're really excited about the possibilities of growth within the system. And they're given tangible proof of how it's evolving. And and just like, so the players have a lot, feel like they can have a lot of confidence and autonomy within the scheme because um, you know, just for an example, you know, Brandon Staley wanted to implement this star package, like a hybrid nickel. They get to roam a little bit more. They blitz a lot. They help and run support. Well, at first that guy was Troy Hill. Um, and they just, they were waiting a little bit. They'd hinted that they wanted Jalen Ramsey to play the star or at that time they weren't revealing the name cause they didn't want, you know, they wanted to have the gamesmanship and all that, but they, they basically indicated a few times that Jalen would go into the slot. Well, they started out the year with Troy Hill, but in practice, which we weren't allowed to report on scheme, but in practice, they were working Jalen Ramsey and then one of their young safeties into that role as well. And so that was really cool because you could see the team get really excited about the concepts that were presented, but also have the understanding that they're playing a bit of a chess match. Mm-hmm. And so they're not, they're not putting everything out there at once. They're building and building and building. And so that was part of the, the reason why he showed them the cutups of their first day versus their last series, because it's like, now you see why we're building one bit of a time at a time and unfolding and asserting our scheme and, and for our players, instead of just responding to what's happening to us on the offensive side, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say you and Ted, yeah. uh, Ted Wynn, uh, you know, wrote a, just a great feat. He's, he's awesome. I mean, you, you guys wrote a great feature on Brandon Staley and what he's been doing with the defense. Mm-hmm. And, and part of that was like kind of this idea that they wanted uh, McVeigh to go find like his Sean McVeigh, like go find that guy for your defense. Is he that guy? Is he sort of performing in that way? Do they have that kind of sensibility, um, you know, in the way that they were, in the way that they were talking about? I think so. Um, it's, it's hard to do that. It's hard for that guy to sort of be as much of a splash because he's a defensive coach. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's so interesting to me because Sean, everyone knew right away um, in his, even in his first season and especially his second season, how special he is, right? Well, it's so much less of an overt thing when it's the defensive coordinator and especially as the, the league trends more and more offensively. And I think that was one of the really smart things that Sean did was go out and find somebody after being told, you know, they, a lot of the executives with the Rams um, and the high ranking people, they sat Sean down in a room as they were trying to figure out, you know, what the direction of the franchise was going to be. 
And they sat him in a room and they said, listen, you know how to run a team now. Go find your own Sean McVay. And so what that meant was go find someone who is very bright and has a handle on things in the way that you have a handle on things in terms of your philosophy, um, your you know, hands-on, hands-off kind of approach to things, um, your teaching spirit, teaching mentality, mm -hmm. forward-thinking, progressive way of viewing the game, but also someone who is going to really piss you off some days because you guys are competing the entire time. And like Sean, I think, and uh, hopefully I'm not, you know, speaking too out of turn, but it's just the impression that I get is he just wants to make sure that he's also evolving and so to bring people into a room such as Brandon, such as Kevin O'Connell, the offensive coordinator, who are going to tell him when he's wrong, too, or who are going to make it a hell of a time trying to take the field against him during training camp. And the, the initial battles that these two had during training camp were so fun to watch because Sean, you know, Brandon's defense picked it up. They, these guys are on the defensive side. They're special. And they picked it up so quickly. And it just was it just had the offense in fits and they were turning the ball over and all this stuff. And Sean was like, I had not seen him actually tangibly angry before and, you know, keeping it very professional and together and all this stuff, it goes back in. And then the next week they're much more efficient and they're, they're doing things. And so this is like a long way of me, of me saying, like, I think it was really smart that he went out and hired Brandon, mm -hmm. but then also it was really smart that he, chose a defensive guy as his next Sean McVay because there's a lesser chance that that guy gets poached after a year because everyone's trending offensive right. and because you can keep him a secret for a little bit longer because people, people, especially team owners, a lot of GMs, they want the next hot young offensive coach and they see how competitive the NFC West in particular is and they want to they want to have a jump on the curve when their division starts to turn in that direction. So they want the young, you know, really really bright, philosophically savvy guy and it's so interesting to me because Sean instead of saying I'm going to go find the next offensive genius and and teach him for a little bit, probably going to lose him. He knows he's probably going to lose Brandon Staley at some point, but what's so interesting to me is that Sean with all of his offensive know-how when he was thinking, I want to go find the next Sean McVay, he went after a defensive guy. I think that's so interesting. I, I also think it's, it's smart in some mm -hmm. ways, just when one of the things that we noticed about uh, Sean McVay when he replaced Jeff Fisher was how much better his staff was than Fisher's. And in particular, the, the type of credentials that he put on his staff as a first-time young head coach, and you'll see sometimes coaches reluctant to put people on that, like uh, you know, on a staff like that, because they worry about those guys potentially being their replacement. Like, right. for if example, you don't have two or three guys on your staff who could who could be reasonably hired to replace you, you probably don't have a very good staff. Like w Wade Phillips, for example, would have been the you know, he would have been the prototype that guy will replace me if I mm -hmm. get fired because Wade Phillips has that type of respect around the league. He has experience as a head coach. And Sean McVay clearly didn't care because he wanted to try to put his team in the best position possible to succeed. And Staley there is interesting, I think, just because he's a bright young mind that, that like you said, was going to be Sean McVay, Sean McVay. But he's also not in direct competition with Sean McVay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's not the guy that would be like his right hand 
that if anything was going wrong, you would look at as, ooh, the, the type of competition that people thought could be there with Jason Kidd and Frank Vogel, for example, with the Lakers. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't seem to me like Brandon Staley would even potentially be that guy with McVay. Well, I... I don't know that that was maybe a variable that he considered because I I do think he's really secure in his. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I agree. Things. I just mean yeah. that's. I just think it's interesting. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like it, it's another interesting element of it because that's always yeah. what ends up happening whenever hot additions are brought onto a staff, something like that. People always speculate about you know yeah. how it may affect the the who's in charge. That's all. Mm -hmm. I agree. McVeigh is very secure about this stuff. Yeah, which is interesting because. Um, it's, uh, it's, it seems so collaborative. Like I was a little surprised to hear too, how much autonomy Brandon got just immediately in doing, in running the defense. Cause at that point, Sean, I mean, he'd been with Wade Phillips for a couple of years and like, that's the guy to learn defense from, you know? And so I thought it was really interesting because Brandon got into town and, and basically had all these ideas and was not able to actually show them because there were no spring practices. And still Sean was like, sounds sick, man, go ahead. <laughs> you know? So I just think that's, I think that's so interesting um, of a dynamic. And it seems like it's, it's, um, it's a partnership, but it's also like you can really tell on in, in training camp that they're very competitive and that meetings are competitive and, that um you know they're they're troubleshooting each other but in a in an environment where it's like you you seek to get better and not really have that ego which um i'm not used to that in a lot of football offices um that's not something that you see in a lot of places so i i think that's a really really interesting dynamic of um like bro tell me your ideas <laughs> you know <laughs> instead of instead of bro it's my ideas. It's bro. Tell me your ideas. But but again, there's the, that lack of competition though won't be there if they're on opposite sides of the ball. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that, maybe that was a better way of getting into what. I, what That's I a great meant. point. That's a great point. Yeah, because you you want to seek out. I think one of the biggest mistakes head coaches make, and I, you know you see it time and again, is bringing people too many people into the organization who think like them. Too many people, you need to have a balance. Like, yeah, you want people to buy into your philosophy overall. Yes, absolutely. And you want to be the, the dominant presence throughout the organization. Yes. However, you also want them to feel comfortable in your space to disagree with you, to troubleshoot your own plan and to see things in different ways than you see them in order to build a more sort of progressive construct of what football is now evolving into and at a faster rate than ever before. It's, I, I, it's, it's hard not to be, whether, you know, I mean, Miami wasn't a, a great week for anybody, but the, the, the confidence that he's had in that job meeting Sean McVay since he walked into it mm -hmm. um, has been incredibly impressive uh, and, and I think well, well earned, but along those lines, it's, it's funny to talk about like, you know, the first year defensive coordinator on the team is like kind of the star of the coaching staff mm -hmm. right now because the offense isn't right. It's not bad. It's not, you know, week to week. It's but but it's not right. So what what is the what is holding them back? Is it a lack of identity? Is it just a consistency issue? What are the things that are keeping the Rams offense from looking like it's supposed to? Yeah, I think it's like they picked out the right pair of shoes, but accidentally tied the laces together. 
you know, like they really, it's like, it's just them. It's, it's really just them because there were some, every single time they've looked discombobulated, it's been one of a handful of different sort of self-inflicted things, whether it's, you know, play calling that Sean will later come back. And um, I think his, his words were vomit inducing on some of his play, his play calls, which again, really respect that. Cause you, you don't hear a guy, you know, kind of self scout himself in that way, but um, you know, and, or, or another time it's, it's uh, you know, lack of a rhythm with the run game, or maybe you got in your own head about who you're, you know, what, what you want to do, whether it's run the ball or keep passing or, you know, it's sometimes the quarterback um, turning the ball over or not taking the sack when he needs to. Or sometimes it's, you know, a couple times it's been receiver drops, which I never thought I would see, honestly. But this year you've seen them. Yeah. And and so it's just been at any given time, it's been a handful of different things. And it's led to sort of this overall feeling of discombobulation. And I don't know if it's a lack of an identity if they can get these things fixed, because if they can't get it fixed, then that becomes your identity, obviously. I, and this is something that came up in the chat too, as well. Little stuff you talk about the turnovers, how much of, of their problems, and we'll get back to you know whether they're a running team, passing team, all that stuff. <laughs> how much of their problems is just built around the fact they can't kick? Like, like field goals it, or <laughs> field goals? Like it's they, goal, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but like, that's a huge, like, the, you yeah. know, the, the, the bigger drop off, it seems like, you know, Todd Gurley is gone. This is whatever. Yeah. And it's a big, that's a headline. They've missed Zerline. I think it seems a lot more than they've missed anybody from that offense from last year. Yeah. I think that's an interesting point. Cause they, they couldn't at a certain point, they knew they, they weren't able to trust Samuel Sloman. And, you know, you got to feel for the kid. I think that that's such a product of, of COVID and how it's changing football because as you guys will will recall, they weren't able to have him in their building for a tryout or anything like that. They've got tracking uh, tools and data where you could actually see his kick tra trajectory and the height that the ball, you know, gets off of his foot. And the, and Sean started sort of revealing a little bit of those measurables and how they weren't up to par during his body of work. Um, and and you know they're not really trying to block kicks and scrimmages or anything like that, but then you started to see this really concerning thing out of this kicker and it, it was not fixable. And so you got to feel for the kid because they could, you know, they drafted him, but couldn't really see him a ton in person. And, you know, anyway, but you know, it's, it's, I think that's the undercurrent of what the discombobulation is on this team where it's like something just not quite right. And it does carry over into, I think, some of the the problems that you're having on offense. Now, if I were Sean McVay and I've got some of the receivers I have and I've got some of the running backs I have, like I just wouldn't kick, right? Like, <laughs> but but that's me. I, I I you know I love you know crazy aggressive football, so I I just wouldn't do it. But at, at the same time, you know, it's part of the game, and you, you bring in Kai Forbath, and then he's got whatever that was at the end of the Miami game, that was yikes. But, but, but I really think it's like it, you bring a sense of calmness um, into the room when you have a guy who you don't have to worry about. That's how they feel about Johnny Hecker. Um, it's how they were feeling about some of the people on the coverage unit. They're having some issues there too. They're losing personnel. There's some injuries. And I think they missed Terrell Burgess a lot on that coverage unit because you saw him, you know, against Chicago flying around, making all these stops and, 
um, downing the ball and all of these different things on special teams and, and obviously had a great game in the secondary as well, but then gets hurt. And once again, you know, already you've lost, you're, you're losing your kicker and then, you know, you, you don't really know who your returner is and it's just all of these things that are discombobulated and it's really interesting um, to see when you not only introduce a new coordinator, but also a new kicker who now brings you a sense of uncertainty that you have not had to face at that position. It's almost right. like, how do we not panic? Okay. <laughs> you, see, you, you can't go from a guy named Legatron to a guy named Samuel. That's just, it's not, <laughs> it's not going to work. Well, especially Samuel Sloman. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, like, I mean it, it sounds like he's Samuel. making fun of himself. Samuel. Like, no. Yeah. It's just, it's <laughs> no. not intimidating after yeah. you know, Legatron, Greg the Sh leg. Sean wouldn't call him Samuel. He prefers to be called Samuel, but in press conferences, Samuel I is a terrible athlete name. Well, just he just is. wouldn't call him that. Like I noticed that in press conferences, he like refused to call him Samuel. He'd always call him Sam. And I'm like, I guarantee you there's been some sort of a mention to call him Samuel. Like Sean does not miss a detail like that. Right. So I was like, okay, that's a little interesting. Uh, you noted on the, the most recent 11, uh, 11 man podcast, uh, 11 personnel, Andy, like, excuse me, 11 personnel <laughs> podcast. I did listen though. I did actually listen. It's you and rich, but, not um, that, apparently not that closely. To the well, no, I listened to, I listened to all the content. I didn't listen when Jordan said what the title of the show was. That That's the part Fair. that I zoned out. I don't have time for that. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it stuff. also too. It also was one and a half speed, so I may it may have just gone past me. But uh, you you noted how if it were up to you, Daryl Henderson would get the ball a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess a two part question for you: first of all, have you figured out the thought process for how these guys are or are not getting used between Acres Henderson and Malcolm Brown? And also, too, do you think that they could be utilized more in the passing game? And that that might actually help, uh, I guess, open up some of the offense or create more consistency, more options, stuff like that on the 11 personnel podcast. <laughs> I love that you asked me this because you've teed up one of my favorite topics of all time. I didn't um, even know. I know. I'm and the so topic happy. is, like, why am I not in charge? Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh my God, you guys are killing me tonight. Holy moly. Um, so, okay. So here's how it should work in theory. Okay. We'll get to actuality. Down, coach. We'll get to actuality in a minute. But in theory, Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers are supposed to get somewhat even. Sometimes it could vary, depends on who's getting hot and who's, you know, maybe having less success against certain um, defensive fronts about the same amount of carries on first and second down. And yes, they should be getting used more in the passing game. Sean McVay threw the ball to running backs less than any other team in the NFL last year. And I asked him directly about that. And he said he wants to do it more this year. So, I, I, it's, yeah. I actually went through some of the numbers with Gurley during 2018, the last season that the Rams offense was just really crushing. Mm -hmm. And you know, one of the things that Brian and I noticed from covering the Rams during the, the Jeff Fisher year versus you know, McVeigh and things opening up was just how much Gurley was utilized yeah. as that type of threat and how much, like, really it opened up everything on the offense. The numbers are pretty dramatically different yeah. in terms of the way Gurley was used in 2018 versus uh, the three running backs they have now. Yeah, and and some of it is comfortability, too. So, and, and that's a little bit of an aside, so I'll get to that in a minute. But so those two should be used in that way. Cam Akers especially should be getting used and worked into space in the flat. 
and catching passes out of the backfield. What that does not only, like you said, add a layer, but it also helps kill these blitzes that are really hurting them. And it gets Cam Akers, who can make a guy miss because he is a running back, he and can run with the ball in his hands. Um, he can get into more favorable man versus man matchups because everyone else is crowded on the line of scrimmage and blitzing, right? So you need to be able to use someone like that as a dump off option. And if you break a blitz, which they have been just in knots over. And if you can break a blitz one or two times during the course of the game, you stop getting blitzed. It's crazy. This concept is wild. So, okay. So that's what, that's how those guys should be getting used. And I think Daryl is a really, really great sort of lead back. And I still think that if they use cam Akers in the passing game, like they should be, then they, their touches would be pretty even at this point. But he he also had the injury. And then there's some issues with they, they, the injury set back his pass protection in terms of, learning the the different protections and the physicality of it. And that's, that's what they say. Right. And so that's kind of what we're going with right now. What, what was the difference? Like, you know, I think there's as, as somebody obviously not nearly as deep into this as you are, but I watched the games. Like what was the difference between the, the plan in Buffalo where they fall behind by a ton and <coughs> run and run and run and run in the second mm -hmm. half versus Miami where they fall behind and throw 61 times. Yeah. So also, uh, one of the banes of my existence was that decision, but okay. So, um, so yeah, one of, I think Sean McVay's best decision he's made all year. And I'll say this until I pass out and roll off my sofa onto the floor with no furniture. So like, at least, you know, it's safe. Yeah. Well, you got, you got you the dog head on after you. It's a yeah. shortfall. It's a shortfall. It's fine. Um, it, that was his best decision he's made all season was, continuing to run the ball against Buffalo, which they did not expect. And Daryl Henderson was cooking that game and loosened up the front, helped mount the comeback, put like the, you know, it was really just like a jolt in the pants of all of his players. Cause they were like, all right, man, this is cool. Like, this is like a, you know, this is ballsy, you know? So like they were, they were really fired up about it. Right. And so that was a great decision. Well, then you think, okay, here it comes, you know, against Miami. The problem was, is they were still trying to hit that one right play that would loosen up that front because they were crowding the box and blitzing the crap out of Jared Goff. They're still trying to find that one play. And Sean always says this and Jared says this and Kevin O'Connell even says it now. He's like, if you can hit that one play, and then it just changes everything for you. So they're clearly trying to break a blitz with a home run play. That's what they're trying to do. And you saw it in that incompletion to Cooper Cup um, that Jared, uh, there was a, a second free rusher and um, Jared Goff was trying to get the ball to Cooper Cup, who's kind of the quick outlet across the top and threw it behind him. And it was, a, you know, technically considered a drop by Cooper, but advanced metrics show us that it was a bad throw. So that would have been the home run play that breaks the blitz. If you break the blitz, they back off and then you could start running the football down their throat again. Right. But the, the thing against Buffalo was that they just ran it anyway. So I, I think that that's so such, it was such an interesting juxtaposition between those two games. And part of it, I, I wondered if it was just like that, like, we just really need to find this. We just need to find this play. We're so close. Next time is going to be the time you execute. It's right there. We can feel it. Next time is going to be the one. And it never was. 
And so that's frustrating because then you see in the fourth quarter, they go back to the quick game and the quick passes and passing me on the line of scrimmage. And that's when Cam Akers was used as a safety valve and then had broke off that really big play. And, you know, that was when it's like, oh, this is great. Sorry, it's way too late, but this is this is great. So I think part of it is not waiting that long and thinking next one's going to be it because sometimes it's not. So you have to go toward what's a more sure thing. Um, and I think it would have been what they went to in the, in the fourth quarter, but, um, but, and then last, but not least, certainly not least Malcolm Brown, when you asked about how they should be, the running back should be getting used. Malcolm Brown is like such a solid run the clock down guy, short yardage guy. Um, you know, I am a little confused as to why they're working him in space as a pass catcher as much as they are, um, sometimes. And because I really think that's, that's the money maker for Cam Akers and for Daryl Henderson, because Malcolm Brown is just so trustworthy and stable when it comes to keeping the ball out of the other offense's hands um, and, and running the clock down and getting those short yardage um, yards. And I just think that that's really his bread and butter right there. And I, I just, that's in theory, that's how yeah. they should be. It's always, it. it's always funny when you have, and you see this a lot with teams where you have a lot of good players, but nobody who's necessarily so much like where it's obvious who you give the ball to. And it's mm -hmm. obvious. So that can be, that can be hard. I have that problem on my fantasy team. Um, oh, so I, did, you I get, did you get good advice on your fantasy? No, team? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> That's why I spent 20 minutes tweeting about birds. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Every time I'm on with you guys, I'm like, how is he going to exact his revenge on me Cam this Aker time? Yeah. <laughs> going for you. Um, I, we do want to, before we get to the game, we do want to talk a little bit about the Seahawks game this weekend because this is a yep. massive game, not just in you know for the Rams, but in the NFC generally. And this is a fun one because all of the stereotypes are kind of flipped around. Like the Rams are considered like the sort of the running team. The Seahawks have no running backs and throw 800 times a game. Uh, the Rams have this defense that they're leaning on. The Seahawks defense kind of sucks. Um, but both teams are, are pretty good. Uh, how are you looking at this one? Oh, I just think it's going to be really fun. I think, I mean, and I kind of had high hopes for the Miami game. I thought it was going to be really fun because I, I went in thinking like they've, they've probably got a good game plan because look at all these guys who can make plays after the catch on short yardage passes. So they're going to break a blitz and it's going to be off to the races. It'll be so fun. Didn't happen. So this time I'm thinking, okay, well, they've got this sour taste. They've had a week to an extra week to prepare so I think it might be a really fun game. This is obviously going to be the biggest test for Staley and his defense. It's like, you look like the real deal. This is where you kind of show, are you actually? And, and where you show your backbone and all the pieces start to get put together because there's such a group of, of complementary receivers, each dynamic in their own way and tight ends and, and players who can really, really make these explosive plays. And the Rams have limited explosive plays almost better than anyone else in the league at this point. So that sort of chess match is going to be really, really fascinating. And then, you know, will you come out with the right game plan against the statistically the league's worst, worst secondary, but it's not just come out and pass the ball a hundred times. It's you all the little pieces you have to set up to be able to then break a secondary. And so much goes into that. And so it's, it's so interesting. Um, it, that's going to be really interesting to me. And you also have to just, you have to just play like Sean can't, you know, think about stuff too much. You just got to go like, that's what he did in the Buffalo game. He literally just like snapped his clipboard in half. I mean, he didn't do that, but you know what I mean? Like he just was like, so All right. cool, though. he was just like, you know, 
Yeah, he just, uh, and there's all these, you know, it, it was like Mad Max, right? Like he just was like, I'm just going. Like it was, football is not, I mean, that's about as dramatic of a cool little nuanced thing as you can get. I mean, it was neat. So I think that this is something similar. You just got to go. Well, I think one thing that's at least potentially good for the Rams, it, it seems like looking at the injury report, the, the Rams are starting to get healthier now. The, this buy came at a really good time for them, and it seems like, They've got some guys coming back. In the meantime, Seattle's injury report—that's a long ass list. Yeah, like it, it's maybe because you know we get we all get these you know emails from the Rams PR staff, <laughs> you know every day with the injury reports. Seattle's injury report may be the longest I've ever seen. I, they're they're yeah. back to starting Kurt Warner, I think, at running back this week. <laughs> yeah, like, I was. Yeah. yeah, that was. It's exciting. enormous. It was problematic. The one thing that I think is going to be huge to keep an eye on is their center. Their center has not left the concussion protocol. So at this point in the week, if they haven't left the concussion protocol, they probably are not going to play on Sunday. And so then you don't really have a viable option. The Rams are getting Ashawn Robinson back, yeah. well, you know, in his debut. And they've also got a guy named Aaron Donald that some people have heard of. More and more people are talking about <laughs> him, I guess. But, you know, like he just really, he's. He, Which guy's that? <laughs> he's, he a newbie? He's, he's a he's he's a guy you know he's just a guy he loves this matchup said. too again we, oh, i'll take your it. word for it you yeah. cover the team and all but i don't know <laughs> i feel like if you were him. yeah never heard of him <laughs> and he starts you say <laughs> have you written about him at all like what's the you know i never hear that name <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google him just to make sure you're talking about the right guy. Your Google search is fun tonight, Athena. Yes, it is. <laughs> Owls, Grackles, Aaron Donald, Grackles, Aaron Donald. Well, yeah, look, I mean, I, let's be honest. We spend most of our time googling stuff for games and things like that in lieu of of preparation for the show. Yeah, our, so, our, I mean, this both is not our unusual. Search- both of our search engines are used to just really, really weird shit being yeah. Googled. So, I mean, you didn't really throw us for much of a loop. We actually but I mean, have a, we have our own search bar. It's just called really weird shit Google. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, this, this really could though. I mean, this, this, stre- it was interesting because this stretch of the Rams schedule has been talked up a lot mm-hmm. as being really tough. And I think it is compared to the first half, which was to be honest, Kind of soft. I mean, you know, the it, NF- they had a lot kinda, of NFC. It's the NFC East, yeah. Andy. It kind yeah, of soft. Of yeah. Which they kind of, it was odd to see them sort of be like, awesome for us. We swept the NFC East. I was like, have you met the NFC East? Right. Like, right. Jordan, it beats the alternative. That's the but, thing. It's like, you know, it's better than losing games to the yeah, NFC East. Okay. That's fine. But, like, but it's like, when I got my couch, I have no other furniture. Why the fuck am I bragging about a couch? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> no, now you're getting to the spirit of things. This we like good. it. We like this. <laughs> but here's the, re- here's the rest of the schedule. Seattle at Tampa Bay, San Fran at Arizona, New England, Jets at, at Seattle, Arizona. You know, they might be catching Seattle at a less healthy time. Tampa has been shaky at times. You know, that might just be when they play the Saints, but they're, they've been a little bit wobbly. San Fran's really beat up. New England, we know we all were rooting for Cam Newton, but, you know, they have not yeah, looked great the last, well. last couple of weeks. The Jets, the Jets are going to go out of their way to lose that game. So you you basically got four games that you look at with Seattle and Arizona, you know, to a piece. A lot of huge implications with them, but 
there's a chance at least that this second half may not be quite as tough as it seemed like, or if nothing else, there are more opportunities than it might've seemed like in say week three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, as I mean, I agree with everything you said, and I did have a thought you guys have to have me on before the jets game. So we can spend the entire episode imagining ways the jets will try to lose the game. Done. Like, your book, sure. consider the yourself most random, the most random things. Cause I think they could get that's pretty gonna be a game gonna... that People are really looking forward to that. Jets yeah. Game. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's going to be, that's going to be great. And, and I think that'll be fun because you know, by the time they get to the Rams, they're going to be pretty much out of traditional football ways to sort of secretly lose a game. They're going to be out of those, of those opportunities. Oh, they're, they're not going to be subtle by then. Yeah. I mean, so like, it, it, <laughs> This is just like, going to be is, nakedly is, transparent. Yeah. Like this is Adam Gase is he, he's not is he doing this on purpose or is he just this bad at it? Yes. Yeah, I th I think both. <laughs> <laughs> I think both. <laughs> he's Icarus. Yes. Nice. There we go. Keeping it with the Greek <laughs> mythology. There we are. Oh no. Yeah, you you can come back anytime you want. That's that's not the I mean, like I, I watched that game and, and we'll we'll really have to talk about camp for a second and then we'll do the game. Like I I, I have a lot of the sads um watching yeah. Cam this year. Um, because and it's you know, it, there's not a lot of talent around him, and I understand that we mm -hmm. talked about that at the beginning of the year. You know, it's not like he had a ton in Carolina, but you do reach a point in your career where you need more of it, and we've mm -hmm. seen that with Tom Brady, where you know, Brady looks better at times, you know, when it looks good in Tampa, it looks better than it did last year in New England because he's got much better players around mm -hmm. him. But there's still that thing where you just look at Cam and go, it's just no, he's not that guy, and maybe he's not healthy, or maybe whatever. But it's, and I, I, I'm sad about it because I, I was rooting for New England. I'm really yeah. still rooting for him. I still want it to come around. And there were times in that Jets game where he just looked terrible. Yeah, you know, and it's it sucks because you you see, and like I saw for the last four years, everything that he went through in terms of just the toll that was taken on his body. I mean, things that we, th that he never even went on the injury report for that, you know, just your aches and pains that you get from playing in the league, but then compounded by these surgeries and all of these different things. And you're like, man, just like, let him go out the way that he wants to go out. Mm -hmm. If if it's, if it's close to being time for him, which who know, who really knows, but if it's close to being time for him, let him have finally a year where not only is he paired with a great coordinator, but he's also healthy because he's got the tools around him and, you know, he's got what, it, and then also, you know, maybe give him two guys to throw to instead of just half, you know, like it's, I, I just, and my heart goes out to him because it's, it's hard to watch. Cause you're like, man, he just, he deserves better. And he always has deserved and he's better. And in like the effort is there and he's yeah. putting like the, 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 the blood, sweat and tears are clearly there. Yeah. I and mean, the guy is invested. It's not like he's just blowing this off, but yeah. when your career is based on the, you know, the kind of physicality too, that, that Cam Newton has had throughout it, it is, you reach that point where when you're back, you can't quite get to that place. Um, and I, you know, there's still time, you know, that, you know, the division's, you know, not great. There's an extra playoff spot and so on and so on and so on. But it just feels like I just his want body to play better. cooperating. Correct. He's, he's Sisyphus because he, I mean, really he's, he's pushing the rock up the hill and 
through no fault of his own, it's it's ordained by other powers that it, the rock comes back down on him. But it also looks like he really is struggling physically just to get the rock up there. Like like mm-hmm. five years ago, even if the rock came back down, he would have pushed that thing up like it was nothing. Mm-hmm. Now he really has to put his back into it just to get the rock to go up there. I mean, you just Sports, watch man. him right now, and his body just isn't cooperating. Mm-hmm. This is a really unforgiving game. Jordan, I'm going to tell you something that you may not know about football. Um, it's an unforgiving <laughs> game. <laughs> you guys are really on fire. You guys are killing me tonight. I love it. Um, yeah, because we're, 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 we're industry veterans. We've been around. <laughs> Brian, let me tell you something football. that you might not know about birds. No. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, let me mansplain football for you here for well, a second, me, if you don't let mind. Me, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me birdsplain birds. Then, <laughs> birds <if this> <laughs> <laughs> there are probably some birds watching this show going like, what the hell do these three know about us? Isn't it around birds explaining us? I know. <laughs> I love that expression. Birdsplaining. Birdsplain. All right. So uh, it is, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, it is National Happy Hour Day. We invited Jordan Rodriguez on the show because she is a, a notably he- heavy drinker. And <laughs> so, so, so. Of water. <laughs> Happy water. Um, so this is, I think, I think we could all agree the worst national happy hour day ever uh, because no one can actually go to one. Uh, we're not allowed. So we'll play the game in, in honor of this shittiest national happy hour day in, in history. Um, I have a bunch of questions and they are multiple choice or they are fill in the blank. Each of you will have an opportunity to question. There are some bonus questions in here. Uh, I feel like this is going to be fiercely competitive and we will begin here. <laughs> The origins of the term happy hour can be traced back to which writer? Homer, Shakespeare, Twain, Fitzgerald. Who goes first? Uh, Andy, you go first. Homer, Shakespeare, Twain, or Fitzgerald? F. Scott. Jordan? I'm going to say F. Scott Fitzgerald as well. Correct answer is Shakespeare, Henry V. Henry V. Um, I I would read you the quote, except I closed that window in my browser. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you were running out of room. (laughs) Yes. So I apologize for that. It was a, it was an interesting quote, but I will not read it because I closed the window. All right. Uh, this one is worth two points, at least initially the Happy hour, commonly defined as a window of time in which bars offer discounted alcoholic drinks, has been illegal in 2000, since 2003 in which hard-drinking country known for its breweries and whiskey distilleries? Just shout it out if you know the answer. Germany? Ireland. Jordan says Germany. Andy says Ireland. The correct answer is Ireland. Ooh. Yes! Two points for German Andy. German beer, and I was wrong. A also... Quiz. Brian, really quickly, the quote, therefore, my lords, omit no happy hour that may give furtherance to our expedition. Wow. Jordan, he stole two points from you while he was Googling stuff. So that is really (laughs) embarrassing for you. I feel a lot of shame right now, actually. (laughs) But there's still time for you to come back. Don't worry. Okay. This, according to a graph I saw on the internet, is the most popular night for drinking, uh, uh, most popular night for happy hours in the U.S. A, Tuesday. B, Wednesday. C, Thursday, or D, Friday? Jordan, you go first this time. The most popular day for happy hours in the U.S., according to a graph. For just happy hour. Just happy hours. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Okay. I would say maybe, I would say Tuesday. Why? Because you're just getting over Monday. 
That is one theory. Andy. <laughs> I am going to I mean, it used to be Thursday back in the day, but yeah. I feel I wonder if that day has passed because I'm old. Mm-hmm. Um well, I'm I was gonna say Thursday. I am going to say Tuesday. And my guess is because of the recent popularity of Taco Tuesday. Uh, you are both incorrect and by a lot because it's the least popular day for happy hours. The answer <laughs> is Friday, <laughs> which oh, actually kind of makes sense of when you think it. about it. Right. Yeah, but I. Well, you know what, though? I didn't mean to interrupt, but when I used no, to bartend, often uh, we didn't do happy hours, happy hours on, Friday on Friday. That's true. Because it would get so busy anyway. That's yeah, true. Yeah, because people are already drinking on Fridays. Exactly. You know when they're not drinking, though? Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) All right, next question. Some say the first mention in print of the term happy hour in the context in which we use it today was in 1959 in the Saturday Evening Post. The iconic magazine launched in 1821 and used to feature all those classic Norman Rockwell covers. When did the Saturday Evening Post, excuse me, when did the Saturday Evening Post fold? A, 1969, B, 1984, C, 2006, D, it's still out there. Andy, you go first. For people who don't remember, magazines are printed volumes of paper that come out like weekly or monthly. I assume they all folded. Um, I'm going to say 1984. Jordan? 1969, 1984, 2006, or it still is there. 06? 1969 is the correct answer. We've wow, been we've been without the be. we've been without the Saturday Evening Post for a while now. Well, that explains I was why thinking, I've never read it. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> you know, I was thinking it would be like, you know, sadly when a lot of the newspapers started folding and converging into one corrupt <laughs> hemisphere. The Saturday Evening Post is now part of the Southern California News Group. Yeah, what is it, Trunk or something? I don't right. know. Like, <laughs> I was like, was it? Were they part of Trunk? <laughs> like, it's either Trunk or like, Sinclair. Like, that is that Saturday things. Evening Post? Is that Gannett? Like that's what I was, I was like. Yeah. Norman Rockwell, he got laid off. Um, all right, so here now we've reached an interesting part of the quiz. Um, the question is this: uh, it, Happy hour. What about the rest of the time? How many? Uh, <laughs> how many of the five happiest states can you name? So each of you are going to name five states, and you will get a point each for every correct answer. And I will not reveal that you're correct until after. The I don't understand the question. There is a poll, like based on uh, again a chart I saw on the internet. I want you to name for me the five happiest states like, in America. They, like the re- the residents of the state feel state, happiest. They are the happiest. Yes, these these are the happiest states in America. Like if you go there, <laughs> they're just really happy. Um, you get a point for each one you get correct. Andy, you go first, and I will note your answers. Vermont? Okay. Name uh, five. Give me five. You give me five. <laughs> okay, I thought Jordan and I were trading, no. nope. trading off. Vermont. <laughs> Jesus. New you Mexico. New Mexico. Okay. Um, California. Okay. Um, let's say... I mean, there are a bunch of idiots down there, but I think they're happy idiots. Florida. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, I mean, they they seem delusional enough to be happy. And um, five, you know what? Let's go with... I'm going to go weird. Wyoming. Why not? All right, Jordan, you're five. 
Uh, California. Okay. Um, Nevada. Uh huh. Um, Arizona. Uh huh. Want to say Maine, maybe? Maine, noted happy state, Maine. Well, they've learned to adjust to all of the snowfall, you know. That's true. So, um, yeah, lots of drinking in basements there. Um, I will also <laughs> say. Happy. <laughs> I will also say Florida. Okay, no points for anybody. The five happiest states in America are Hawaii, <laughs> folks. Hawaii. Okay. Utah, Minnesota, New Hell Jersey. No. New don't Jersey. Yell, Get the don't fuck yell out at me. Here. Yell at the internet. And Nobody. I've never met a happy person from New Jersey or Utah, for that matter. <laughs> Yo, Utah, man, that place is salty. You ever be been there? You. And we have more the, of a passive aggressive situation, I think. Yes. <laughs> it's not yes. a I don't oh, think they love they love yeah. to think they're so friendly in Utah. They're so inviting. You ever been to a jazz game? They're awful people. Did you say Minnesota too? <laughs> Minnesota is a, a Hawaii, Minnesota Utah, nice. Minnesota, New Jersey, and Maryland. There's a thing called Minnesota Nice, one of my friends taught me about, where it's like they don't actually like you. They they're just yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a great scene in season two of Fargo where um Bokeem Woodbine's character is dealing with a cop and uh the cop says we're really friendly around here. Uh, he's a Minnesota cop, and Bokeem Woodbine says, No, actually, you're not very friendly. It's just the way you go about being unfriendly. Yeah. It's like the way you say your things is like you're doing me a favor. Like it he nails that Minnesota nice thing. Yeah. All right, Jordan, you're still down 2 nothing, but you have a chance to make up your time. So, uh, Not feeling optimistic, but okay. Now, which states uh, <laughs> take too much advantage of happy hour? Name as many of the five states uh, with the highest alcohol consumption per capita as possible. Now, Jordan, you go first with your five states. Highest, uh, highest uh, uh, alcohol consumption per capita. Wisconsin. Okay. Um. Again, I think Nevada, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, Michigan. Okay. Illinois. Okay. You know, I'm going to say Maine again. All right. <laughs> Andy? Um, I also think Wisconsin. Okay. Florida. Okay. <laughs> Oregon. I'd drink a lot if I lived in Florida, that's for sure. Uh North Dakota, mm, the drinkingest of all Dakotas. <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm, I may be overthinking this, but I'm going a lot with the per capita part of it. No, it's per capita is important. And number five, I am going to say Missouri. Wow. Uh, oh, I should have picked Louisiana. Damn. You, no, you shouldn't have. Each oh, of you really? gets a point. The drinking estate uh, per capita in the country is Delaware. 3.7 gallons per person in Delaware. I don't consider that a state. Uh, most people don't. Jordan, you get a point for Nevada. They are number two at 3.46. Andy, you get a point for North Dakota. Nice pull there, wow. Andy. Uh, 3.26. And then it goes Montana and Vermont. And then Wisconsin is sixth. Uh, so Jordan is now down three to one. Uh, according to one of those maps that does this sort of thing, this is the most popular spirit in California. A, Patron. B, Bacardi. C, Crown Royal. D, Jack Daniels. Andy. Patron. Jordan. 
Jack Daniels. The correct answer is Jack Daniels. Jordan. All right. Now you get first crack at the bonus question, which is our last question and happens to be worth two because you're down three to two. The bonus is worth two. So you can clinch it here. Jack Daniel, the actual guy, Jack Daniel died in 1911. Who was president in 1911? A, Teddy Roosevelt, B, William Howard Taft, C, Woodrow Wilson, or G or D, Warren G. Harding. Oh, I'm gonna I know I'm gonna miss it by like two years, maybe. Roosevelt, Taft, Wilson, or Harding. <sighs> Roosevelt's the obvious guess, but I don't think I'm gonna guess. I him. agree. I don't think you should guess him. Yeah. Was it Taft? It was Taft and Jordan <laughs> Rodriguez wins the game. <laughs> I didn't even get a chance. <laughs> what? I didn't it's even get a chance. Question, no, you don't get a chance because it's the bonus question. But, but we, nope, we've always game. done this with a bonus. I told you the bonus question, and Jordan can win because the bonus question is worth two. Well, points. I thought Jordan would win if I also answered it incorrectly or something. I thought I'd at least get a shot to defend this thing. Nope, that's so. not how this game works. Congratulations, <laughs> Jordan. You win happy hour trivia Woo! here on National Happy Hour Day. What a comeback. Um, and next time, we will also, now that we know, we will play trivia about birds. Second, <laughs> second, second greatest comeback of the last two weeks, in my opinion. But Yeah, unlike <laughs> Andy, who Andy tried right to now. throw the ball 61 times to get back in this game, you... Ran the ball and now you're no, back. No, I got the ball three. taken from me. I didn't even. I didn't even get the throw or run the ball. I just got it taken. It's like it's like basically it's overtime. You know what overtime it is? It's NFL rule. overtime rules. Exactly. <laughs> right. Jordan scored a touchdown in the first possession. Of no, it actually feels. It actually feels like Jordan scored a field goal on the opening drive, and the rest said, "You know what? We're done. <laughs> like whatever. She wins." It's a pandemic. Yeah, that's true. Pity that me. True. I only have one sofa. <laughs> I've been pooped on by so many birds. Jordan's like, I need this. I need this. <laughs> I need this thing. I really need a win. I finally made something of myself. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, who wins this weekend? I did pick the Rams in my mailbag that comes out tomorrow morning at the Athletic Los Angeles. Um, I picked the Rams by three. I know they're favored by one and a half right now. Um, I think it's going to be a really high scoring game and a, a really tight one, obviously. So I did pick the Rams. I am an optimist as those who read my coverage know by now. Um, so, you know, we'll see, I guess. There you go. I, I, we, um, we cannot thank you enough for putting up with our shit for an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, I love being on with you guys. You it's are so a, nice. a you tremendous my empty house. <laughs> We're looking forward to how this thing evolves. Like we feel like we just check in every so often and we see yeah. like new stuff. Yeah. Um, and we, you were totally, I mean, you're welcome to come back anytime you want, but like this, if you really do want to come back before the Jets game, we'll have you. Yeah. You're um, booked. Seriously. Yeah, that's, that's easy enough. But, but that's all I want. Like we need to spend the entire hour thinking of creative ways for the Jets to lose that game. That's fine. Right. Like and, it's going to be the new Chuck Norris jokes, but it'll be, <laughs> it'll be the Jets incompetence. That's fine. Not even. Might not and even bird, require that much creativity. We're done talking about birds. We've, no, we we've are going to talk about birds. We've covered the bird stuff. We've covered it. Like, no, I feel like there's much, more there. Much, <laughs> as, much as the bird stuff once covered me, we have covered the bird <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, tomorrow we've got a lot of Laker coverage. Anthony Irwin and 
Harrison Fagan going to be joining us together. Um, they love to give each other shit, so this should be a lot of fun. Um, and a lot of big stuff coming up for the Lakers and the NBA, so this will be a fun way to close out the week. As always, Jordan, thank you. We appreciate it. We will do this again. Thanks to everybody out there. Donkey Needle on. Peace.